Crypto. Welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored as always by Axis Communications, and thanks to our supporting partner, 3xLogic. Also, my guest this week is Stephen Howes. Steve is the Global Director of Product Management at Checkpoint Systems. Now, interestingly, since joining Symbol Technologies, hands up if you remember those, back in 98, Steve has remained in the auto ID market, migrating from Barcos through to being a member of the European Standards Organization, ETSI, Etsy, depending on what your knowledge of the acronym is, working groups and involved in formulating the RFID standards that retailers are levering today. Now, an electrical and electronic engineer by trade, stints in retail supply chain consultancy, Steve is very well known within the industry for challenging the way in which technology is often adapted by retailers and certainly has been a strong voice in the world of RFID for some time. So, Steve, welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Uh, be kind to me, please. That'll be that'll be very welcomed. Um, yeah. Really happy to see you last week, by the way, in London. I thought that was a great event. Uh, I, I am going to steal some of the jokes from Alistair McGowan. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, we do like um, yeah, Retail Risk London uh, Gala Dinner, Alistair McGowan. I, I thought the Faithettes, for those that were there, the band were awesome. awesome uh, they yeah. are on tour with Paloma at the moment. So uh, uh, you could even go and still see them on tour and be one of 25,000 instead of a few hundred that uh, that we got. Now, Steve, young young Howes sat there in his short trousers, peering out of the, the window at school. Did you dream of barcodes and RFID? No, I dreamed of being a footballer like every other kid. No, I, I'm, I was one of those geeky kids, I guess, that played a lot of sports, so I got away with being a geek. But I was the boy taking a radio apart and not really being able to put it back very well or making something else out of it. So I guess I've just always been a bit technical. I like to understand how things work. Um, and I like to be able to explain it to somebody that's non-technical and easy to, in an easy to understand manner. I've always, I've just always done that. So was there a kind of a career you thought, okay, this is what I like. I like to take stuff apart, put it back together. If you're anything like me with one screw left over, you've got no idea where it came it from. Was, yeah. did, did you, you know, what was the career you were sat there, you know, thinking this is what I want to do? Was there was there something? No, do you know what I? Like you said, I mean, I joined the symbol workshop and I was repairing all kinds of things um, many many moons ago. I like to, I like to work with technology. I like to understand how it works, but more importantly, I like to understand how to apply it to something to make a life easier or to make something easier to do. And I think if you've got that kind of, yeah, culture or, or wish, if you will, you just generally like to help people, you like to work with people and you, you pick up your knowledge and you apply it and you try and make things a little bit easier and better. And that's what I've always done, I think, I hope. Because yeah, certainly if you look at your career, you've got yeah, a logical thread, if that's the right word, it, it follows a pattern it makes sense. Yeah. And then fast forward, here we are, you're at Checkpoint, you continue to progress. You've now got a, a global remit in terms of product management at, at Checkpoint. So talk to me a little bit about what that looks like. What takes up the bulk of your time on a day-to-day -day and what, what do you actually look after at Checkpoint? Yeah, so let's do what I look after because I think that's the easiest and probably the most boring bit is, um, Everything that we manufacture as a, a, and pull together as a solution falls within my remit from a technology perspective. 
So for example, radio frequency identification inlays, the technology of an inlay, that comes from within my group. Radio frequency, so loss prevention, labels and consumables, that comes from within my group. And then hardware development, uh, some elements of software, and uh, what will come next for our company. So that future roadmap. And that's really exciting to do for retail if you're a bit of an engineering bod like me. Um, it challenges you continuously. It, and retail moves at such a great speed, not just within one retailer, but if you think that the collective retail community, that they've all got different focuses, they've got different programs running. Does anyone moment in time? And I think checkpoints are lucky enough to be considered to be a, a partner to those to those retailers. We have a lot on our plate at, at any one moment in time. So the majority of my time is spent with the sales community, the customers, going to the front end of our business, if you will, understanding where they're at and what challenges they have to fix. And a lot of those times, Paul, it's not a technology conversation. It's a business conversation. It's a, okay, where do you want to be in two to five years? What are the things on your plate now? And how do you intend to try and leverage those so that they, you know, they can deliver more than one reward or return, right? So that's the vast majority of my time. And then I bring all of that information in. We, we, we map it all out and we say, first of all, be honest with yourself, checkpoint. Can you help yes or no? We can't help, we can't help. And, I, and I'm one of the first people to say, look, I'm sorry, it's not our, not our bag. Um, two, is it possible? A lot of people want a lot of things that are, you know, pretty difficult to do. And then three, if we can do it, how long, how fast, how marketable, what's the size, return on investment, all those things, and then we push. And that's it's, what we do, we try and push. It's interesting, you mentioned there about, um partnering i think I've, I've said this before to a few people checkpoint are one of those vendors that appear to have gone on a journey from being a provider of stuff kit boxes white things to a genuine strategic partner and i know a lot of retailers now talk very highly of the work that they do with you guys about how you're embedded in the business it's a two-way information sharing exercise and you know you've been at checkpoint i know there was a little gap for a while but you've been at checkpoint for some time now do you feel that you've been part of that journey is that is that the strategy that you've been leading in terms of trying to be that embedded business yeah it's a good one i think there is a as a company when you have a retail relationship or you have a relationship with a customer of from of any market you have to decide very quickly am i a provider of widgets or am I someone that I would like them to call when they've got some, something on their table that's challenging that they think that we can help with? And I'm a very big advocate of being the latter. I like to understand their business. I like to understand the challenges across the range of the business. And I think as a company, when we all do that, it's part of our culture to listen, we naturally become part of the discussion at least. And because we've got touch points to many different markets and many different retailers, I think people now understand that Checkpoint can 
not only give an opinion or give foresight on what's coming next through innovation because of the technology background, but that we have several discussions in several markets and we kind of see what's happening from very different perspectives. So we can give a nice balanced approach to what we think is the right way forward that will meet the need of the retailer that we're talking to. And I think it always helps, Paul, you know, don't forget, it's easy as a company that if you're a technology company, let's say you're a radio frequency identification company, RFID, it's easy for you to say, this is applicable for retail. It's also applicable for pharma. It's also applicable for healthcare. It's also applicable for automotive, defense, aerospace. What logistics? We are retail. We do not, very, very rarely as Checkpoint, do we step out of our lane. We're a real-time company. And over the years, then it allows you to build up a whole heap of knowledge within one area. So you can be not thin and deep, but pretty wide and deep. And you can help across a multitude of challenges within your chosen vertical market. And that's what we chose to do. Yeah, and, and you're, you're certainly synonymous with retail, I mean, you you, know, you don't don't operate in this space without without coming across checkpoint. Now, I know you've got broad offerings in the in the retail space, but we're on the retail risk podcast, so I just want to dial, delve in a little bit on loss prevention from all of these retailers and the conversations. And I know you commission and have your own sort of research. What trends are a checkpoint seeing in loss prevention at the minute? I mean, there's a lot of press, a lot of opinions, but but what, what trends are you sort of saying, this is what we're, we're extracting? I, I think, let's keep it nice and broad. Uh, data is becoming, or has probably always been, one of the major priorities for businesses. But I think now data in loss prevention and the different forms of data that loss prevention are needing to execute their workload properly and to, yeah, um, sorry and to combat shrink and to push and make further benefits for the business. I think that's becoming more and more evident now, you know, and combinations of technology to provide the data. So it's not just about sale data or delivered data anymore. It's about video, it's about analytics, it's behavioral analytics, it's changes in policing forces, different ways to combat what you need to do. You know, the days of someone stealing a packet of chewing gum, being in, in, a, in trouble with the police are way behind us, right? Now there's a lot of emphasis on retailers to build their own case, to come to the police with a pretty much open and shut conversation. And there's your file, Mr. Police Officer. I'm, I promise you it's all above board and legal. And that's where we, we're seeing, you know, that combination from us of, Okay, checkpoint, it's great. You've got traditional loss prevention. Can you also help us capture data here? Can you formulate that data? Can you stream that data? Can you help us drive value from those data sets? I think in general, that's where most of our discussions are going. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you know, I remember way back when in retail, you know, it was just a case of prevention or catch the, the bad guy or girl, but now people talk about it's the whole journey, isn't it? It's putting a, a cherry on the cake of the case, a bow on the top of it and handing it to, to law enforcement. And who would have thought, you know, and I think this is probably behind the transition, isn't it? From a supplier of 
widgets and solutions to being a strategic partner because retailers are now going, okay, checkpoint, how do we get this in such a way that we can hand it across to law enforcement and they're going to pick up and run with it? So it's a fascinating transformation. We've seen vendors fall by the wayside, haven't we, that haven't made the shift and then others like checkpoint, which have realized what's going on and, and reinvented well, almost. Well, I think you've had a couple of shifts, haven't you? You've had the, let's, let's say, a law enforcement on the enforcement side of, of the two words. I think there's been quite a big shift there from region to region. There's also been a consumer shift. I mean, wind back 10 years, I could play snake on my, on my mobile phone and that's probably about it, right? I could text someone, I'm in the shop. Whereas now I can use my mobile phone to execute everything I want to do within the shop. I can shop from my sofa. I, you know, the, the whole experience of shopping, if you're in a hurry, you can walk in and out of most major grocery retailers right now and check out on your cell phone and you're done. So that combination of external pressures of how do I keep ourselves safe and how do I reduce my losses whilst creating a free and easy environment for our honest customers who are just in a hurry or just are on the extreme side of convenience, um, how do we cater for both? So how do we create a safe shopping environment from a business perspective for consumers that basically want to walk in and walk out with no interruptions and no fuss, thank you very much. And if you're a checkpoint, that automatically pushes you to solutions. It automatically drives you towards software. It automatically drives you to a combination of technologies because one technology doesn't fit all in those scenarios. And because we understand retail and because it's our market, we go. And not only do we go, we don't follow, we try and innovate and we try and show a way that all of that can be done. And we've been, luckily, you know, touch wood, we've been very successful. Yeah, I think there's more than, you know, you have to plan. It's all very well and good being sat at a wooden desk, but I think you have to, you have to do something more than just sort of tap it and hope. We've seen some tapping and hope vendors over the years and a bit like Woolies and their pick and mix, they're not with us any longer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of retailers that you could point out that could be a million times better. There's a lot of retailers that have sheer volume of mass that makes some of these things quite difficult to do. Um, I think the pressure on retail is extreme. I think it's always been extreme. It's just been a little bit perhaps pinpointed with, you know, the last couple of years have been tough in, in, in many different ways. But I think now that when we have the conversations with retailers, they're now looking at solutions across the entire business and topics like sustainability, recyclability, reduction of waste, reduction of food waste in particular, these type of topics, they're now coming together in a way where the technology platform, it's not quite standardized, but they're not having to reinvest in everything all the time. Those customers that have invested in their digital platform are now in the, in the really fortunate position of being able to create their layer cake almost. You know, okay, now I've got this, that should allow me to do this. When I've done this, I'll layer this on, and then they're bolting things in and out. And, and that I'm finding really interesting. Yeah, it's a big That's shift. really cool. Yeah. And I just need to quickly apologize to uh, our 
countries where Woolworths are still absolutely going from strength to strength. My reference there was, of course, to, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we got quite a few subscribers from, from, yeah. from Woolworths in Australia. So your business is absolutely fine. I was uh, referring to your namesake in the UK that was known for its pick and mix uh, and not much else is no longer with us. Now, um, I just want to talk a little bit uh, with you, Steve, if I can, about maybe some of the specific challenges and projects that are going on within Checkpoint. But before we do, uh, I always say this in time-honoured fashion, we have to take a quick 30-second break and hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I'm going to pick up the conversation with you. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to Global Director of Product Management at Checkpoint Systems, Stephen Howe. Steve, uh, great insight in terms of what's going on with the Checkpoint business before our short break there. But can we just delve and perhaps you can share a little bit of insight on maybe some specific projects? I know we've spoken about the shift in Checkpoint, but anything that you can share maybe from a people perspective, process new technologies that's being rolled out or even discontinued and removed what 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 can you give us um insight wise yeah well i'll go back to london last week well it might be a couple of weeks ago now but if the podcast comes out in a few weeks retail risk uk in london we we showcased uh what we call our fresh id which is the use of rfid technology to manage food waste and uh, fifo so first in first out uh, best before date management so hopefully a customer doesn't leave the store with something that's already kind of passed its sell by date which is which is uh, frowned upon now by the regulatory community i think that solution itself is really nice i think a lot of retailers that sell food uh, and, and white and brown goods also sell apparel i think quite a few of those have made an, an investment in rfid for their apparel business so they have that technical plane now, the foundation. And I think now they can see particular use cases like food where they can bring in the use of RFID technology or extend the use of RFID technology across their whole business sector. So that for me is great. Uh, it actually has a very positive impact on, on not only the business, but you know, the whole waste and seeing food piled into mountains and stuff is never pleasant. So we're, we're happy to be part of that. Um, in different regions of the world, I would say particularly North America, we're doing a lot of work on organized retail crime. So uh, I mentioned before about the changes in law enforcement and, and, and case building and this kind of thing. I think that's really prevalent in North America where you know, traditional technologies, we can do a lot of deterrence and we can do a lot of prevention and we can tell people after the fact. But those people uh, that are involved in that activity, they don't care about that. You know, the best you can do is to make it difficult or to slow them down, but they've already got it in their mind. They've got their rotor for the day. They will go to these three stores in this order because it suits them and they are going to steal something. So we're doing a lot of work on that, uh, pictures, information in real time, push notifications, all that kind of database yeah, activity that allows somebody to prepare for or to at least be warned that events are happening within a locality of a, of a geography. So that's kind of organized retail crime piece. 
And in general, um, we, you know, I think a lot of the big security providers, the loss prevention solution providers, we have a lot of technology that's been around for a long time. And in Checkpoint, we're working a lot now to bring intelligence, um, not just artificial, but real intelligence to those solutions that were typically just a zero or a one. You know, we either saw something or we didn't. Um, we didn't quite know how many, but we know that there's something in there. So for us internally, a big focus now is how much data and what data sets can we create with the solutions that we've already installed, they're already in the market, and what value can we drive from that data for our retail customers? So I think in general, you'll see a lot of it's around, you know, sustainability, perhaps not recyclability, but can these products or these packaging or these solutions be used by somebody else after the initial customers, yeah. you know, finish are finished with them or not? And that generation of insights into what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis within a retail environment, we're concentrating there. Um, I really think that the ability for a checkpoint to provide data services is possible because we have a massive layer of hardware that are basically data capture devices. We're very data rich and we need to be value rich, is, is, is my opinion. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, it's only when you stop and look at it, you know, the amount of data, as you say, that that Checkpoint's been yeah. privy to or been collecting and, and arguably it went nowhere, did it, in the past. It was just, it wasn't required. Nobody saw the benefit for it. And now repurposing that and packaging it up in such a way that retailers have kind of got an aha moment, I think, you know, it's got to be part of the, of the success right now, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm very critical of myself and I do that in a way because I'm driven and I want to be better and I would say that we're very data rich and we're value, we're value insight poor mm. now I think that there are a lot of us have been in the industry and I say that generally we've been pretty pretty lazy because the deterrence and the and the loss prevention solutions that we deliver they do a very good job in reducing shrink could we have been better? Could we have captured more data, done a lot more with the data that we have? Of course, right. But I think it takes some market events. It takes a trend. It takes a, like you called it before, a spark or a moment. And now all of a sudden that data and that ability to use the data is, is putting us in a really strong position. It feels, like, and somebody used this term the other week and I've, I've stolen use it a few times. You know, you become a lighthouse vendor opposed to a, a lemming. So, you know, shining the light and going, okay, there's a dark corner over there. What do we have that we might be able to illuminate that, that challenge or that opportunity? Yeah, and I, and I think that comes about, uh, it comes about from conversations with customers. It comes about with conversations from business people that really understand their landscape. Um, I think the days of let's build this widget in our little lab and then we'll push it to the market. Those days are well and truly behind us. Now you're talking about trying to create digital locks or you know, how do we mix Bluetooth with U8 with ultra high frequency, with low frequency, with, you know, what's the best combination of all of these technologies that allows our customers to leverage the infrastructure and the investments they've been making with us over the past 10, 15, 50 years, right? Yeah. Um, it's definitely not a time to rest on our laurels. It's 
definitely a time to push. Um, and we're definitely going to do that. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, a time to push. You know, Checkpoint has operated at the very top of the industry for, for years. You know, how do you think, how's the business managed to do that? Because there's been new entrants, there's been, you know, from different parts of the world. But what is it about Checkpoint? I mean, you know, I'm not going to date myself, but, you know, when I was a graduate intake at Homebase, it was owned by Sainsbury's. So Google that and see how long ago that was. Um, you know, and, you know, our colleagues in the, on the food side had got Checkpoint Solutions. You know, it, it, it continues to operate at the very top. What do you think enabled Checkpoint to do that? Our culture. We, we know that we should and could always do better. Mm. And if you think that you've done a great job, then look back again in two years and work out, okay, what do I know now? Can I upgrade this? Can I change that? Can I generate more data from there? Are we seeing new business challenges? Because the solution that we delivered 10 months ago had no idea about COVID, for example. And we, we continually push. We've got a very strong technology heart within the company. And we've got some very, very smart people that work around us and with us. And we just, we just push. You just have to keep pushing. And, and, and out of interest, with all of that, you know, driving forward, and if you like, making demands on, on customers as well to make the right choices. Um, yeah. You know, interesting, Retail Risk London, somebody was saying that, um, you know, Checkpoint, they were a great partner, but they're actually a little bit of a pain in the backside because you're continually asking difficult questions and challenging them. And, and, and the, the sort of slightly, you know, off-the-cuff comment was, why don't they just take the check and be quiet? But, but they're always asking about, could we do it better? Could we do it cheaper? What do we need to look at? It was, it was a fascinating conversation. It's, for those people listening that have ever managed a sales team or managed salespeople, you know, the best salespeople are the ones that are difficult to manage and create the most problems because they're constantly pushing your company to deliver those solutions that you might not quite be ready for. But these salespeople that are tuned into their market understand that they need to deliver. That you could just write that as a description of Checkpoint. We have a very, very good sales team. We're very well connected in the market and we try and support them in every way that we can. It's very simple for us. It sounds simple, but it, it's our life. It's just, yeah. it's what happens every day. So, so out of interest then, all of these conversations, new big grocery company turns up or a small retailer. What do you think the one piece of technology that retailers can't live without at the minute what's the is, is there anybody that's got nothing actually there is one or two out there with nothing but what do you think they can't live without what would you put top of the list that's a good question i would say today in today's world nobody can do without understanding what stock they have and where it is um so i'd, I'd go for an inventory solution using whatever technology you need to be able to give you that visibility. I, I can't imagine anyone now entering into a market without having a very good handle on what do I have in the warehouse? What do I have in the store? How do I fulfill these orders that come from multiple access points to my business? Now, I think the word omnichannel is, yeah. is gone. Well, there's just one big channel and it's called consumers want to deal with me. How do I serve them in the best way possible? And I think that's what I would go for. I would probably go for grocery, inventory, 
mix of tech, just give me a very clear, accurate view of what I've got, please, and where it is. Yeah, I, th I think all of us have got, you know, a car crash of a story around a click and collect where the product wasn't there or yeah, a well-known retailer after having my order for two weeks has just emailed me today to tell me that they can't fulfill half of it because their stock file was wrong. Paul, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a true story. From a very known children's wear company, I ordered something on the 8th of May and my delivery date has changed twice. It's now going to be the 27th of July. I mean, how? Yeah. How? In this day and age, how can you go to an online portal, order something without a comment on the, on the web page that says, this is made to order or this is a long lead time item? But no, some people still allow you to place your order and then give you the good news, you know, five or six days later. It, it, you, you do wonder very quickly, uh, nine and 10 year old, uh, they're sending me the shorts from the nine year old. It's a football training kit and the top for the 10 year old. Yeah. So the alter so just might so now I've got a mind blowing. And then I tried to buy a sofa at the weekend, placed an order, not a cheap item, 26 weeks lead time. They should have it for Christmas. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> well done next. They're, they'll be delivering in six weeks. It was more expensive, but it wasn't price. It was 25% more expensive from next, but it's six weeks instead of 26 weeks. Crazy. Uh, and then, you know, so limited sympathy like you for sort of retail. Yeah, you've, you've, you've got to put your best foot forward. And yeah, anyway. Convenience is king. Yeah, it is. It is. We can go on. Now, look, um, huge amount of uh, knowledge in retail. When you look at the future of retail, do you sit there concerned? I mean, I, I'm with you. There is no such thing as different channels. It's all one channel now. Customers don't sit there and contemplate which channel to buy from. Do you think retail on a whole has grasped that concept? Do you see more store openings come in? Do you think e-coms going to pay? I mean, what, you sit there, I mean, my mind runs all over the place. What, what's your take on the future of retail, shall we say? My, my take on it is there's always going to be bricks and mortar. Because at its, at its heart, shopping is a social event. People don't tend to go shopping on their own. And, and, and those that do it, do it for a particular reason. Other people tend to go for a group and there's a little lunch planned in the middle and it's a bit of a social thing. So I think bricks and mortar will survive. I think to survive in bricks and mortar, you need to know what you have and what, what you've got and when it's coming and what you need to have. So a forward-looking view. I truly think, Paul, it's going to be that blend of tech. I don't think that there's going to be one killer tech that comes along and totally changes the face of retail. I mean, even in the, in the shop and go stores, walk in, walk out, whatever you want to call them. If you take a look behind the curtain at the tech that's involved, you've got everything from a weighing scale to 5 million cameras on the roof and 20 servers and kilometers of ethernet cable and all over the, I mean, it's just a pure tech play. I think what's interesting for me is and what constantly changes backwards and forwards, in my view, is how close does a retailer want to come to a consumer whilst the consumer is within their four walls? So everyone talks about, let's bring my customers closer to my brand. Let me interact with my customer. I think there's going to be a lot of change in that space. Because I think the technology that exists is there. 
There's probably a lot of work to do to make sure that people feel secure, safe, and that their privacy is respected within that little channel. But I think as soon as some of those important questions are answered, particularly around privacy, I think that that's a bit of retail that will just explode. You know, the ability for a retailer to talk with me or talk to me in a technical means as I'm walking around the store because I want them to, because I feel value from that, I think that's potentially huge. I think that's massive. Yeah, and I guess if you look at you know, the success of Amazon online, to a degree, the recommendations are... They do this. Yeah, the amount of extra sales they have extracted from me and millions of other people because you know they're not recommending me the nappies anymore because the children are nine and ten but it's just it's close enough that you you know yeah. you go and, that, and those clever type of things where you know eight out of ten customers also bought this item when buying this item yeah you know those those type of things i don't think they are things that have to stay online I think it's just getting that the, the consumers connected within the four walls of the store in a safe and private way. As long as those algorithms and those mechanisms don't start sending nappies to people who's bought baby cream because they're doing a favor for a friend and they're intelligent enough to know that's a one-off event, yep. he's not just had a baby. I think they've got a lot of runway. I think they can be really valuable. Now, if I'm going in and I've picked up, I'm just going to make something up, mincemeat, chilies, and uh, some kidney beans, and I forgot the parsley and the sour cream and, and the rice, I'd really like someone to tell me before I leave the store because it looks like I'm going to cook a chili con carne. Now, if I'm not, fine, but thanks for trying. I wouldn't find that particularly annoying. No. Right? Because it's less annoying than getting it wrong with my wife when I get back home. So... I just think there's a lot of runway there. I think, I think you can see it coming and um, with the amount of smartphones and, and mobile devices. I think last time I checked, there was something like 3 billion smartphones. There are Bluetooth and NFC enabled in the world. And that's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. It, it is. I think, I think you're fascinating. You know, the, the opportunity uh, for companies like Checkpoint that have clearly got an eye to the front is huge. I wish you every success with your continuation and that march towards global domination. There's some disruption <laughs> in the market at the moment, I think, which will provide extra opportunity for uh, for Checkpoint, for sure. <clears throat> so, excuse me, my cough this week. Um, Steve, it's always an absolute uh, pleasure to speak with you. Um, I find your insight and knowledge in the market absolutely fascinating. I'm sure lots of people do as well. So thank you very much for taking the time to be my guest this week. And I very much look forward to seeing you in person again uh, yeah. more events in the near future thanks for the invite Paul and uh, I think we'll see each other in Leicester for sure Retail Risk Leicester 6th of October King Power Stadium little little check there we'll look forward to it till then Steve <laughs> take care thanks very much now thanks very much mm -hmm.